Learn to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Maiden to Mother. Today we are talking to Holly, who's a mum of two and my hairdresser. How are you going, Holly? Hi, Kendall. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We've got a lot to get through to today. Do you want to mm-hmm. um, introduce uh, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who's in your family and where you live? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Holly. I'm 29. I have a husband, Jared, and we've been together a really long time. We had our four-year anniversary, wedding anniversary this year, but we've been together 14 years. Um, we have two beautiful children together, our daughter, Frankie, who is a little over two, and our son, Obi, who is just five months old. Before motherhood, I was in the hairdressing industry and more recently um, doing some massage therapy, which is really fun. Oh, amazing. I can't believe Obi's five months old. I know. It just happens, doesn't it? Oh, I can't believe that I almost just fell over when you said that. <laughs> I know. It doesn't come naturally, that's for sure. <laughs> well, today we're going to focus on your VBAC birth with Obi. Mm-hmm. But in order to, I guess, go, get to Obi's birth, we do need to start at the start and mm. um, go through go through Frankie as well. So mm-hmm. can you tell us about your conception with Frankie. Was she planned? Yes, she was planned. Um, I guess for us the story starts um, when we got married. I always knew I wanted to be married before I had children. So we were married in the June and July was Bali for our honeymoon and we actually fell pregnant there so we came home and I found out I was pregnant so really excited we were obviously thrilled that it was so quick um and I wasted no time I went to the doctor I had it confirmed yes you're pregnant um so the next thing to do was the dating scan so Jared and I went along to the dating scan and we had a male sonographer who I say he was just like having a bad day, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. He almost like snatched the referral and made this weird comment like, I don't know why the GPs do this. You pee on a stick, you're pregnant, and then they're sending you here for a scan. You're not going to see anything. It's too early. But anyway, lay down. So I lay down. He puts the gel on. He scans and pretty much that's what happened. He says, look, there is a sack there. Um, but it's too early to hear a heartbeat. You can either, we can either do an internal today or you can come back. And we gave, Jared and I gave each other the eye and we were like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, and then I kind of, for some reason, I kind of, I, I guess that left a bad taste in my mouth. And I didn't, having not been pregnant before, I didn't really know what a dating scan was for. I almost thought it was just to find your due date, maybe. I'm not sure. So in my little world, I decided I didn't need a dating scan. Um, So 
continued along in the pregnancy week by week I just got more sick more symptoms started appearing you know the acne and the migraines and the around the clock you know um sickness yes um it was really actually quite dreadful I, I, I felt really awful I remember saying to a girlfriend gosh I don't know how you women do this like this is just this is a lot I'm not sure I can do this again. Anyway, they just, my friends would say to me, you've just got to get through that first trimester. Like it's a lot, you know. Um, So we went to the nuchal translucency scan, the 12-week scan. And for some reason I was on my own. Jared wasn't with me, which obviously I regret. Um, Mm. But she's scanning away and I, I just, I guess I just knew something was up. Something wasn't quite right. She almost didn't say anything the whole time and she's finished the scan wiped the gel off and said look I'm really sorry but this pregnancy can no longer go ahead Um, get dressed and we'll find a doctor to go through the report with you so I yeah I was really freaked out I obviously didn't know what was happening Um, I I sat in the corner of the room with my like phone keys, just thinking, what the fuck just happened? Mm. Um, so she's come back, look, there's no doctors here. We'll call your GP, um, we'll tell them that you need to be seen and she can go through the report with you. So I've gone to the GP. That was an awful car trip. Obviously I've phoned Jared and I'm like hysterically crying. Like, look, they've just told me that I, I'm pregnant, but we can't be, but what? Anyway, turns out um, the report showed that we um, were pregnant with something called a molar pregnancy. So if anybody's not familiar with it, which obviously I wasn't, um, a healthy viable pregnancy is one egg, one sperm, which combine to make a healthy baby. So 23 chromosomes from the mother, 23 from the father that make a healthy baby. In the molar pregnancy... In our case, we had one egg and two sperm. So potentially there is double the amount of chromosome from the father. And it kind of just like multiplies into a mass tumour almost. Um, And the fact that it wasn't detected before, well, we were 12 weeks and four days or something. So they were quite concerned that the tumour, it can actually turn cancerous. So in this doctor's surgery, it's gone from we're pregnant to you can no longer be pregnant and we may need to talk about chemo um Mm. which wow yes it was it just it it almost was a bit surreal and it's one of those things that you don't hear about until you hear about it if if that makes been heavily invested into the birthing industry in the last couple years and i have never heard about it haven't you interesting no yes wow never heard it's the first time i've ever heard about it yes and it's funny you say that because i feel like i am a bit of a noddle i feel like i know everything (laughs) so when they told us like i just it almost sounded made up in a way you know um so yes we had to go to and it was it was very um it was very serious i suppose they wanted to know why did we got this far why wasn't it picked up anyway we get to gold coast uni hospital and have a little twilight sedation and they do a dnc to remove the molar pregnancy Mm -hmm. um and then after that so um 
with the molar pregnancy, the HCG levels are super, super elevated. Um, the only other time they're that elevated is like multiples or twins. Um, so it's really paramount that they remove the entire tumour um, and the way they monitor that is just like weekly blood tests to make sure the HCG levels are coming down. Yeah. And you're not allowed to try to conceive again until your levels are zero again. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if your body actually ever goes back to zero, but, um, yeah, so it's they have to make sure they come down. So for us, that actually took 12 months. So wow. Yes. So we were doing weekly blood tests, then monthly, then six monthly, and then 12 monthly. So that entire time, although we were grieving our pregnancy or our child, although it wasn't, it still felt that way. Yeah. Um, there was also that element of having no choice and being um, directed in when we can have our family. It was it was a really bizarre and weird twelve months actually. Um, mm-hmm. I so imagine, yeah, it, it was. Um, but then when we were given the go ahead, that was really fun because <laughs> there it was, was on again. Yes, it was just yeah. <laughs> we were really that was quite an intimate time for us. It was just happening on any chance it could really. Um, so, how were you feeling going into conceiving it again? I After guess, all of that. Yeah, I guess we'd had the time and I suppose on reflection maybe that's why it was 12 months because we went into it just super clear-headed again and excited and ready and it really did feel like a fresh start. Um, so, yeah, once again I, we conceived quite quickly, maybe three or four months, um, and I was so delighted to feel great in that pregnancy I definitely yes I definitely had moments of queasiness you know throwing up in the back room at work but I I think I had the comparison of feeling so dreadful that this time I just felt oh I felt invigorated and just I, I really really loved that pregnancy I enjoyed nearly every moment of it Oh, that's amazing. Mm. And did, what did you do? Oh, which model of care in your pregnancy did you choose to go with? Yeah, so we went through the MGP program. A girlfriend told me about that, midwife group practice. Um, and Google Christiani? Yes, yeah. So um, I think we were like maybe halfway when we met our midwife. Um, and, yeah, we really I, – I actually tell any person I can about that because it's such a great – um, program. program yes thank you yeah yeah it's an amazing program did you do anything being your first preg well not necessarily your first but your first birth did you do anything to prepare for your birth yeah well I've always been one of those weirdos that just really wants wanted to have a baby I wanted to feel labor I wanted to be pregnant I wanted to do it all so I just had my head in a book or in my phone all the time I was doing all of the things um, it's all I wanted to talk about I probably got some eye rolls from my family like yeah we get it you're pregnant you're gonna have a baby <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just was yeah I did a lot of prep I suppose I didn't ever really have any fear around childbirth so we decided in the end not to do a hypnobirthing course or a calm birth course or anything because I felt like I didn't need it. Um, yeah. 
regret that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us then. Let's get cracking on your first story with Frankie. Yeah, so... um, First signs of labour. Yes. And how far along were you? was overdue and I regretfully kind of convinced myself that I was going to go early and for a first time mum that is just the worst thing you can do I think I almost unhinged something in my brain where I was just (laughs) not the same person after going overdue and overdue um so I well actually at 38 weeks 38 and a half weeks I gave myself food poisoning oh gosh so going to bed one night I woke up with tummy pains and I was like oops I think this is it um went back to bed, woke up vomiting, and I was like, mm, I know in transition some women vomit, but this, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is it. And then by the third wake, I was like, I want an epidural. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not even in labour and I'm already talking about that. So what chance did I have? Um, so, yes, I was about 41 and a half weeks and I woke up and I'd lost my plug. And I just knew, I mean, how can you be that overdue? And yeah, 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 it pretty much just started. It was like period cramping. um, And I, I think I just got straight into focusing, which in the end probably wasn't a good thing, but I just couldn't ignore it. I just was waiting my whole life for this to happen. So when it did happen, I couldn't really think about anything else. I couldn't distract myself. Um, my mama was here. I, she, I was always going to have her at my birth. We've got quite a close relationship, so she was always going to be there. That was really important for me. Um, so I was at home for a couple of hours um, and then we headed to the hospital. And I think it wasn't long before I just lost all sense of control. I just, I was just telling myself really strange things you know the can'ts no more stop pain ouch can't do it I just kept saying that when I think about it I'm like gosh how many times did I say I can't do it Mm. um was your labor moving quite fast um I honestly I think it was pretty like textbook I think it just it all was going the way it was supposed to for a first time mum I think it was just progressing nicely um I had an internal examination when I presented to the hospital and it was literally my worst nightmare. She told me that I was four centimetres and I thought I was ready to push. Mm. So um, that was a really big disappointment for me, which probably led to the next set of series, you know. Mm. Um, So I tried most things, you know, water, shower, the pool or the bath. Um... But I just, I just wasn't in a good headspace. I just couldn't get myself. I was in that fight or flight phase and nothing I was trying was helping. Um, so I pleaded for an epidural. They, they did all that they could to talk me out of it. Um, but once I had it, oh, gosh, I just remember thinking, oh, this is amazing, this baby. <laughs> I'm going to name this baby epidural. This is incredible. <laughs> Um, yeah, we kind of just had a bit of a rest then. I think I ate some twisties and we just waited to dilate. Um, they were just checking the monitors and then when it was time, um, she's like, all right, let's push. And I think 
I think in that first push, I, I think I just knew that I wasn't going to push that baby out. Um, it just, nothing about it felt right. It felt just wrong and it felt a bit ick. I, I can't really explain it, but Mm. I almost had no sense of it was almost like an out-of-body experience um yeah so it wasn't I think honestly it was about two hours of pushing um and they decided that the baby was not in a good position and the best thing to do was to do an emergency cesarean quote-unquote emergency I don't really know I think that word is thrown around quite loosely because yeah it was never like a you know, rushed you off yes exactly totally yeah. I think when they made the call to when Frankie took her breath her first breath I think it was about two hours mm. um so the cesarean as a whole was I mean okay it was by that point I think I'd been in hospital for about 24 hours um and I'd never really been in hospital before. So that was, there was lots of people. Lot, that was quite um, overwhelming. How many people are in the theatre room during the yeah, cesarean? I've heard that there's a lot of people there. Yeah, I remember I mean, thinking, what's your job? What's your job? What's yeah. your job? What, what's everybody what doing in here? <laughs> How many people have a knife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, so what happened after Frankie was born? So I suppose for me the part that stands out with any trauma surrounding Frankie's birth is that postpartum period. Um, I guess I everything was delayed and because of that delay I never really found a rhythm. So for example my milk I think it was about day five when my milk came in mm. um, although we had a great latch this baby was hungry and I had colostrum but their little tummies stretched day by day and she was getting hungry and I couldn't feed her and you know not to mention all of the hormones you know the pregnancy hormones leaving your yeah. your lactating hormones coming in I could feel that in myself I could feel that I wasn't myself but when you're in the thick of it you just you've you just got to get through it you know yeah um so I almost felt like you know we all have our five senses but I almost felt like four of them were gone and I was just trying to navigate this new baby this new life motherhood with just one sense it was really quite I couldn't I couldn't find an instinct I couldn't find a gut feeling and that was really hard for me especially being such an intuitive person it was really like I didn't recognize myself and that wasn't I know we shouldn't place these expectations but that wasn't the picture I had for me and my baby in the first you know six weeks um so that was really that was a challenge and I kind of look back and I think oh if there's women out there feeling like that now I just I, I really feel for you and I just I see you and I want to hug you because yeah I've, I've been there and it is really it's a lot yeah postpartum is such a crazy time do you feel as though your start into motherhood do you feel as though it could be contributed to the birth not going the way that you wanted to um I think more so the physiological aspect from having a medical 
procedure like a cesarean for me. You know, every, I, there is, we are so lucky that it is an option. Um, but for me, my body was doing all that it need to. In fact, it was my mind that let us down. So that I kind of feel like that like tie was cut when when the baby was cut out of me and it wasn't necessarily that the birth didn't go the way I wanted or planned. It was just because of that my body in the postpartum couldn't do what it needed to do because it was focusing on healing from mm. such a huge, huge event. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, does that answer that question? Absolutely does. <laughs> so did you start to feel a, in a little bit more of a rhythm, did you say, around that six-week mark? Yes, um, six weeks, heading into the six-week mark, and my girlfriend messaged, do you want to meet at the park? We'll take a picnic. And all of a sudden I felt like it. I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to go. Um, but previously before that, there was, I, I remember thinking, how am I ever going to leave the house ever again? Like that's how deep in it I was. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say around the six-week mark I started to come good and I started to find a bit of rhythm and some groove, which was really nice. Mm. And that's totally okay. I didn't leave the house for about six to eight weeks either. I mean, yeah. some people are like out and about and... Yeah, I was they, like you. I was like, oh, how do, yeah, do mums go out? Yeah, totally. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and how was your breastfeeding journey with Frankie? Yes, it was good. I um, probably created a little bit of anxiety surrounding a low supply. Um, again, on reflection, I did not have a low supply, but I just had a bit of anxiety happening that probably – delayed a letdown maybe and she was about five weeks and I saw a lactation consultant and she almost made immediate changes like within minutes and I promised myself then when I have another baby I will waste no time and I will see a lactation consultant because they really really are so helpful and any issue that I thought I had she had the answer for. Mm. That's amazing advice. Mm. Well, we'll move on to Obi now. Mm -hmm. um, how old was Frankie when you fell pregnant with Obi? She was 12 months old when we fell pregnant. It took a little bit longer this time to conceive. I mean, look, longer as in like four months maybe. Yeah, um, so Obi was obviously planned then? Yes, yes, he yep. was planned. Um so, yeah, she was about 12 months and I, I have such a regular cycle, like 28 days my whole life. So I'm one of those women that know I'm pregnant literally from day one, yeah. um, which is kind of, there's pros and cons to that. Um, the con being that I like to tell my friends and family, I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a week pregnant. <laughs> so it's the longest pregnancy for anyone involved, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> And how was your pregnancy with Obi? And was it different because it was you very different. had a little one running around? Yeah, look, I it it was really different. And 
I guess that's the expectation. Most people say, yes, because you're looking after a toddler. But I just genuinely felt different. I didn't feel as vibrant um, and as energised as I did with Frankie. I had lots of migraines. That was probably um, the killer for me, lots and lots of migraines. Um, and I was lucky that I only worked one or two days. So... She was in mm -hmm. care and I did get to have a little bit of downtime, which was really nice because I think that's really important in pregnancy. You just, if you're not, if you're not the version of yourself that's full of beans and energised, you've just got to take that time, don't you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then after, oh, what model of care did you choose? Did you go through the same? Um, well, yes, I did, but it was through the thick of, the COVID saga. So yes. I think I was about um, maybe about 20-something, 20 26 weeks when MGP actually got dissolved. I think the midwives were just such under the pump that they dissolved the program. So we kind of were just told to see your GP or see whoever. Um, and obviously my GP was under the pump through it all as well. So it was about I think I was about 35 weeks when I saw a practitioner. I think it was the whole second trimester. I didn't see anybody. Um, so when we got to that appointment, she pretty much said, why have you not seen me? Like, we need to catch up. We need to do some bloods. We need to make sure everything's tracking along nicely, make sure buds is growing. Um have an ultrasound just to make sure all is good and with some of those results it came back that we had well, some elevated liver levels and so it's a couple of weeks of testing and they weren't sure if I had a condition called cholestasis I know one of the mummers have mentioned it on a previous podcast but just mm -hmm. touching on it it's um a liver concern in late pregnancy and I know there's a bit of a link and a correlation to having COVID. I think there's still a few question marks around it all, but they were struggling to get to the bottom of it. But because I was heading to due date, um, they just monitored me closely. And in the end, I did have pregnancy cholestasis. So the only option is to do a medical induction. Yeah. Um, and so before we get to your um, birth story with OB, mm -hmm, is there anything mm -hmm. that you did to prepare for birth differently this time? Yeah, I just knew 200% that I was going to have a VBAC. I needed my vaginal birth for me and my healing. Mm -hmm. And unlike the first time, there was now a lot of fear surrounding the power of a contraction. I just kept asking myself, how am I going to get through contractions? So for me, that was the motivation. I was going to do whatever I could to um, plan for that. So I did a hypnobirthing course um, mm -hmm. with Shari from Belly to Birth. Again, I know that's been mentioned. That's um, okay. She, yeah, she's very she's reputable. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, she is. She so is. <laughs> um, and actually for us, I, I really enjoyed um, – as we all know, having time together with your spouse is limited when you're a parent. So for us, it was really nice to have two days together, having some time, learning about birth, um, 
that's probably one thing that stands out to me. It was just a really nice, intimate few days. Mm. Um, and also for Jared, he just got so much out of it, um, which was really helpful. That's awesome. How were you feeling going into Obi's birth after doing the hypnobirthing course? So empowered, so empowered. I always said after I'd done the course, I would pay double because that's how incredible it was. And then after I'd had the baby, I said that I would pay triple because yeah. it really, <laughs> really does work. I can't stress that enough. I Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's what got me through my labour for sure. Yes. I, I was so motivated by your story because, like, it just, it just works, doesn't it? That's all you yeah. can say. It just do a hypnobirthing course. Right. <laughs> I'm holding my pistol up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's hit this V-back. I know that you've said um, before we came on here that you would want to scream your V-back birth from the rooftop. So I'm yes. excited to hear it. Can you tell us, obviously you, you it's confirmed that you had cholestasis. Mm-hmm. And so then you had to be induced. How far along were you? At By that this time? point, I was 38 and four weeks. So, yep. um, and it was also, you know, no questions asked. It was the way it had to be. So I was happy with that. You know, it wasn't like a decision that I had to make. It was just for the safety of you and your baby, it's got to come out. So I was yep. fine with that. Um, Is just a question mm-hmm. cholestasis is the one where you get like itchy hands and stuff right yes that's right it's quite and that's, serious yes so it can be quite serious that's right so the placenta doesn't actually filter the placenta does an incredible job of filtering out all the nasties throughout the body so the baby is protected however the bile acid which is the concern from the liver the placenta can't filter that so the baby can get huge amounts of it and it is actually fatal so right yeah very serious um so as soon as they confirmed it they basically said you've got to come in for an induction yeah Yeah, totally so we raced around that weekend getting nappies car seats doing all the things because naturally second baby (laughs) that's Mm. not done first baby you've done it like 20 weeks totally (laughs) totally and then you just sit and wait for the baby (laughs) <laughs> so, so you've gone into a, the hospital yeah i think it was a monday um so we went in it was nice and early in the morning um i just trusted that the midwife that i was going to have on the day was going to be perfect for me and my baby and my story and that is exactly what happened vanessa was just beautiful so if any of you are feeling anxious that you don't know your midwife i encourage you just to manifest that they are perfect for you um So it was early in the morning. They started with the rupturing of the membranes. I was a little bit too, my cervix was quite favourable. So they weren't going to do the balloon technique. I'm not even really familiar with it, but. um, Where they put, they put a balloon up and blow it up to try and dilate your cervix. Yes. Something like that. So they spoke about it, but then that wasn't going to happen. So they started with the waters breaking and I wanted to give myself a couple of hours to see what could happen. And so Vanessa, my midwife, um, she was like, all right, awesome, do what you can. Let's get this oxytocin happening. Lots of kissing, cuddles, di- um, turn the lights down, like try and bring this on naturally, bouncing on the ball. Um, so we did that. And I think it was about after an hour, I started to feel and have some thoughts that I wasn't 
happy with. I was getting a little bit nervous. So I called her in and I was like, can we just get this happening? And she was like, yep, perfect. I agree. So they started the drip and her story then changed and she said um okay there is no turning back now so get some rest while you can i feel like i'm not gonna forget that because i was like oh my gosh i am gonna have a baby (laughs) so i did exactly that i had a rest it was a really restorative rest it was really quite nice um and i woke up and i feel like i might have had a little bit of like period cramping but I also knew what I was in for. So I think I was ignoring those. And the three of us were just sitting there chatting. I think on reflection, I could see that she was trying to distract me. Um, And just out of nowhere, a contraction came, it peaked, and then it went. And it was in that moment that I was like, yeah, wow, I remember how powerful Mm. these are. Wow. Because I guess anyone that's had a baby, we can all agree that for the first few hours after you're like, I'm never going to forget that pain, that power. And then as time goes, you're like, you forget about it. Yes. You forget about it. hundred percent. Yes. So prior to that first contraction, I'm sitting there thinking, what does it feel like? Where is it? How long and what? And, and then before long, I'm like, yeah, wow. There it is. There it is. is." So yeah, we were just chatting and they would come and they would go. They started quite powerful from the very beginning. Um, and then it wasn't long and I was getting cold and I said to her, can I, is it too early for a shower? No, darling, you, whatever's comfortable, you just do you, move around. And so I'm in the shower, warm water, that was beautiful. Um, and Jared was really incredible in the way of he knew how important this was for me to get my V back. So he really did his homework. He knew that, you know, if a position lasted too long and I started to say, you know, this is a lot, this is a lot, he would change positions or he would, you know, change the acupressure points or put some, change the music or whatever. Um, So that happened a couple of times where I thought this is like, I would just start saying different things, you know, um, And then Vanessa went out on her lunch break or whatever and I had another midwife and I was in the shower and I started to say some things to Jared that he knew, okay, she, she, she's getting close. Mm. Um, at the time I didn't know that, but he's just told me that after that I was, I'm not sure if you've heard, um, when a woman starts to transition, she can like a change in body temperature. So I just started flipping out about this hot water, like, fuck, like it's too hot, get it off, get it off. And so he was like, okay, wow. So he's ran out, got the ball, and I'm over the ball on my hands and knees in the shower. And the midwife comes in and she's like, Holly, do you feel like you're pushing? And I'm not going to do it, but I... I, (laughs) Do it. I'm like, no. So, yeah, I I started to feel that involuntary pushing and I kind of, in my head, I'm thinking, no, how can I, how can I? No, it's too soon, it's too soon. So they got the mirror and they couldn't quite see. It was dark, there was water. So they got me out of the shower and 
that was a really long walk from the shower yeah. over to the bed. I'm not sure. That was, yeah. When you're comfortable, when you've got a good squat. Yes, it's hard exactly. To move. Yeah. And walking whilst you're contracting that. Will, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once we got up on the bed, um, she did a little internal examination and, oh, gosh, I feel like I'm never going to forget that. Holly, you are fully dilated. It's time to push. And I just remember thinking, how on earth, how on earth? I only just started contracting. What? It how long was it? Be, um, all up from start to finish, it was three and a half hours. Wow. But when you're contract, when you're in it, you're like, no, man, it's been 20 minutes. How? Yeah. How can it? <laughs> yeah, but that's still, that's three and a half hours is not not much. No. I mean, we, is that from start of contractions to birth? Yeah. Well, sorry, from active labour. So um, wow. when I got up off the bed into the shower, that was when I was really having to focus. Mm. Um, so, but I mean, look, when I would listen to birth stories and when I would do all of my prep, if I knew I was going to have a three and a half hour labor, oh my gosh, yeah. like, that <laughs> I, wow, that's all I can ask for really. Oh, it's the dream. So you were over the bed? Yes. Yeah, so she had the back of the bed up. I was on my knees leaning over the bed and I pretty much was guided by my midwife obviously I'd never pushed a baby out before so I really was happy and it felt right just to do exactly what she said you know um so it was probably about 15 minutes or so when she said look I think we might change positions I'm not sure Baba likes this one so she I could I could also feel you know the baby coming down I could feel the cervix being pushed to its limits but then it would go back up and down and I also knew excuse me from the course just to trust that process because it can stop tearing and other things Mm. so I trusted that and yeah after about 15 minutes I think she said let's change position so then I'm down on my side with my leg up and oh gosh I think it was honestly two pushes and he was out and I just oh it's almost indescribable isn't it that feeling Mm. just that sensation I think because for me contractions are so powerful and they take every bit of concentration when it is time to push it just feels so good (laughs) to to (laughs) use all of that energy and all of that power um, to help bring your baby into this world. And because I, again, I'd never done it before and that was all I wanted. It just, I, it's very selfish of me, but that baby came out and Jared's yelling, it's a boy and Vanessa's cheering and I'm just there going, Holly, you fucking did it. You're a legend. <laughs> oh, you did it, you did it, you did it. You are a legend. Well done. Oh, gosh. It's such just, an empowering feeling. It totally is. It really, really is. <sighs> Um, I actually, that was going to be my next question. So you mm-hmm. didn't know what you were having. It was a surprise. No, so Jared right. got to announce it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's yelling in my ear, it's a boy. And I'm like, piss <laughs> off. I don't care. I just pushed it out. I'm, I'm a queen. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had another question about, so the Pitocin mm-hmm. drip, mm-hmm. Um, when they had it in, do mm-hmm. they, how long do they have it in for? Do they have it in for the whole time or do they take it out? No, so I think they started on a very small amount and my body kind of just started doing all it needs to do. So I think they actually turned it off. 
I think they get you to a point, well, for me anyway, they got me to a point of like established labour and then my body was like, yep, I'll take it from here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, isn't it? Yes, because also the cannula, um, the cannula was put in by a student midwife and it took a couple of goes. And if anyone knows what I'm talking about, that is pinchy mm. that is mm. yeah oh <laughs> so um there was a moment we looked down somebody looked down and there was just blood everywhere oh and it was from this stupid cannula that had like got bumped or something um so I just had a vein just like piercing just pissing out. yes it was it totally was <laughs> um so yeah it definitely wasn't it I know that I know that for sure <laughs> Oh, that's good though that they yes, turn it off and your body could just kick in. Mm. And then, what about your placenta? Um, we actually had a really short cord, which um, was really interesting because when I would listen to birth stories or watch videos or whatever, I was always interested. Oh, how long's that cord? Oh, how long's their cord? I don't. It was weird. So, yeah, we had a really short cord. I think most placenta cords. Um, are about 40 centimetres and ours was 10. So I could barely get Obi up past my pelvis really. Um, so she pretty much, we just cut the cord then. It was it was just what had to happen. Um, we had the shot to um, birth the placenta and that didn't take very long at all. Yeah, just a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. But I actually had quite a bit of afterbirth pain Um almost surrounding my pelvis, a lot of like bone pain kind of. So I actually sucked on the gas for quite some time after the birth. Um, but did, yeah, that, did you mm. use gas during the birth or during the no, labor? No, no, I didn't, but I sure did afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so was he – what was Obi doing? Was he just put straight on your boob? Yes, he was just chilling out of my chest and I had a little second degree tear, so we had some stitches. So little Obi was hanging out of my chest. I was on the gas, getting stitched <laughs> up. I was ordering food. Just yeah, feeling like great. a boss. Totally, exactly. <laughs> feeling very different after the first birth. Yes, 200%. Yeah. And how was his latch? Um, perfect for the first two days. And then after that, I, again, my milk came in very quickly in the first 24 hours. I'm not sure if that's the norm, but for me, it caught me off guard. So I'm dealing with these, this engorgement and I've got quite flat nipples. So a flat nipple with engorged breast, it was just like a soccer ball that he couldn't <laughs> actually like find anything mm suckle onto so I did end up getting a little bit of nipple trauma on one side um but I wasted no time to see a lactation consultant because I knew I just yeah she gave me this beautiful little um routine of bottle feeding it was about two and a half weeks I couldn't feed him from one side from bad latching for a couple of days so yeah she taught me a really beautiful way to give a bottle that mimics the breast so the baby doesn't favor a bottle because it's much quicker and easier for them so um yeah it was probably three weeks and we were off to a good start Oh, that's awesome. And mm. how has your breastfeeding journey overall been um, Amazing. in comparison to Frankie's? Very, very similar. Once you kind of get that 
rhythm happening. Um, very similar. I mean, they just love it. <laughs> I know. I love breastfeeding too. Yes, me best. too. Not- me too. How was your postpartum now, especially that you had Frankie, who was mm. obviously almost two running around, how was your yeah. postpartum period with Obi? was just really magical. I mean, I, it's really challenging not to compare stories, but unfortunately it's just what you do. And I did have that really kind of cold, dark experience the first time. And although we had challenges of trying to keep a two-year-old away from this little breakable thing, <laughs> um, it really was just, I just felt like myself. I felt like my feet with two feet on the ground and I felt like yeah I just felt like myself I mean being a mum is just all I've ever wanted to be so it's so nice identifying and recognizing myself this time because that is different from my last postpartum journey so yeah oh that's beautiful and how, how is he going now at five months? Oh, he's just incredible. I just, I know we're all biased, but geez, they, he's just amazing. <laughs> just really, really is. We had a, a little kind of scary few weeks when he was nine weeks old. He ended up with that dreadful RSV. So he spent yes, a few so days. I was going to ask you about that actually. Yeah, he spent some time in hospital on a feeding tube and oxygen, which was really quite traumatic for all of us. Um, now it does just feel like a bad dream. In fact, I think survival instincts have kicked in and almost like pressed delete in my mind. Mm. I don't really even remember it, but I know at the time it was awful. Um, and I think I'm probably a little bit more cautious now. I don't really just give him to people to nurse yeah Yeah. and I'm very I kind of have noticed myself when I do nurse him and people say hello it's just natural for somebody to pick up your baby's hand so I Mm. noticed that I'm holding his hand quite a lot um I think I've just given out my secret now people are going to know when I'm doing it to them (laughs) (laughs) yeah people would I was psycho with no kissing, Jimmy. Yeah, well, they would go to they'd not kiss his face, but then they'd go to kiss his hand. Don't fucking kiss his yes, hand, you know. He puts hand. it straight in his mouth. Oh <laughs> yes, what is it with that? I don't know, but especially with all of the sickness around at the moment, mm. um, definitely don't let people kiss your baby. Yeah, no, yeah. I actually even just said it on the weekend to somebody. Can I have a nurse? Yeah, sure. Just no kissing. And I know in the moment it just feels really uncomfortable, but I say it, especially when you're little. Like that's what I always say. Yeah, you can have him just no kissing, please. No kissing and don't touch his hands. Oh, and maybe don't don't even look at him. (laughs) Just don't breathe on him. Just give him back. (laughs) Funny. So I've got some questions. Uh Um, If you could give one piece of advice to a mama about to embark on the motherhood journey, what would it be? I feel like everything, I want to say everything has its season. So everything changes. So although the phase you're in right now may seem like a really big challenge, it will end. And after that will come the next one 
and then the next one. So I think if you can really find your feet and just ride the processes out, it really is a lot smoother and yeah. Yeah, incredible advice. Things do change. Yes, yes. Very quickly. Very quickly. And you get through one little challenge and you're like, oh, yeah, cool, I've got it. And then before you know it, there's another one. So once you just learn to let it all go and ride with it and what works for that challenge may not work for the next, um, I think bad habits really need to just go out the window because nothing is a bad habit. I mean, really, we just need to love our children and keep them safe and the bad habits, I'm done with them. <laughs> yeah, so am I. All right, next question. Mm-hmm. Can you give a product tip? What's your best product that you used that you could rave about to another mum? That is a really good question. There is this beautiful little, um, it's actually called a nail snail. My girlfriend told me about it and she said it's her thing that she likes to tell everyone. So I'm going to steal it from her. (laughs) And it's this, you can't buy it from every pharmacy or every chemist it's only at certain ones but it's called the nail snail and it's this beautiful little nail trimmer that it's impossible to cut their little skin or go too short um I like when but when my friends bring their babies over I'm like would you like me to cut their nails (laughs) It's, it's a really good product so I encourage everybody to check out the nail snail Oh, cool. I need Mm -hmm, that for sure. mm -hmm. Jimmy won't let me near him. Yeah. I'll have to give it a go. Yeah. Come over. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy snails for me. (laughs) All right, Holly, that was amazing. I'm so happy for you that you got your beautiful V back after Frankie's birth. So well done. And I'm really proud of you, Mama. Yeah. Thanks, Kendall. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. What a woman. I think that was my favourite episode yet. Holly touched on something really important when she mentioned in her first birth that her mind let her down first. Birth is tough work. If you're pregnant, please do all you can to prepare yourself mentally, physically. You could do things like a calm birth course or a hypnobirthing course Or if you don't have the finances to be able to do all those courses, we have so many amazing free resources on YouTube, Instagram. Keep an eye out on the Maiden to Mother Instagram and I will put a few page recommendations up over the coming days. Well done, Holly, and congratulations on your VBAC. You are an amazing woman. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm.